0: The headlines tonight... Bush Stops the Clock Wins Presidency Byzantine Battle at Mossel McDonald's And Nazis Try to Save Stalingrad Sausages Plus coming up, how Lord Voldemort is reincarnated as a woodland creature Those are the headlines. History will be the death of me.
1: Newsbang saving democracy from its own slogans. It is to 2000.
0: The US Supreme Court has declared George W. Bush the winner of the 2000 presidential election after a tense recount debacle in the state of Floribunda. The court, known for its judicial reviewing prowess, deemed that Gore's attempt to recount votes was unconstitutional as it was infringing on Bush's right to be president. The case known as Bush versus Gore, was a landmark decision, halting the recount and securing Dubia's win in the Electoral College. George W. Bush, the 43rd President, went on to serve two tumultuous terms, during which he led the nation through 9-11, the Iraq War, and the Great Pretzel-choking
1: Incident of 2002.
2: The Byzantine army, led by Emperor Heraclius, has defeated the Persian forces near present-day Mosul. The Byzantine Empire, or as it's known nowadays, the Eastern Roman Empire, is a bit like a bargain-basement version of the original Roman Empire, still clinging on in the Mediterranean. Heraclius, who became emperor after a spot of light usurping himself, took on the might of the Sassanian Empire, which was a bit like the Persian Empire but with more leopard print. The Battle of Nineveh was a bit of a ding-dong, as these things go, with the Sasanian army, led by some chap called Rakhzad, trying to keep out the pesky nomads. The Sasanian Empire, which is a bit like the modern-day Ikea Empire, was desperate to hold onto its territory, but Heraclius's bargain basement Byzantines were having none of it. So it's a win for the Byzantines, a loss for the Sasanians, and a draw for the nomads, who are still wondering what all the fuss is about? In
0: 1942. On this day in 1942, the Germans launched Operation Winter Storm, a desperate attempt to save their chums trapped in Stalingrad. It was like that film, saving Private Ryan, but with more snow and less Tom Hanks. The Axis powers, including the Italians, who were rubbish, and the Japanese, who were far away, were fighting the Allies, who were winning. The Soviets, led by Joseph Stalin, a man so tough he had a city named after him, and another one after his mum, won a massive victory. The battle was so important, it shifted the balance of power or so the history books claim.
2: Eyewitnesses described it as a right old ding-dong, with planes dropping bombs like it was going out of fashion. In the end, the Soviets prevailed and the Axis powers retreated, vowing to return in a sequel, the Axis strikes back. And so, the course of the war was changed, and the Allies went on to win, except for the Italians, who pretended they were never really on that side anyway.
1: News Bang! Scooping the truth out of a scoop of ice cream. And we've just had the latest weather report,
0: covering the Christmassy conditions in various locations. Here's Shakanaka Giles.
3: Looking at the forecast for tomorrow, it seems we're in for a splendid time of the year. In Bingle Bottoms, the sun will shine with a hearty warmth, about as hot as a bowl of piping Christmas pudding. The weather will be so delightful, you'd want to throw a snowball at it. Meanwhile, In Frosty Kester, the temperature is expected to dip quite low, like an old lady's teacup. But bundled up, one should be able to bear it. Finally, to the winter wonderland of Snowflake Valley. The weather is predicted to be so chilly, it'll be like a frozen polar bear's behind. Remember to wrap up warm and perhaps bring along some ice cubes for the road. And so, dear weather watchers, frosty smiles, warm puddings and chilly polar bears. Have a grand Christmas and that's all the weather.
1: 2012
0: In 2012, North Korea made history by launching their Song 3 Unit 2 satellite into space. This was an impressive feat, but some accused it as a political manoeuvre and a violation of international agreements. The UN Security Council decried it as a flagrant breach of the ballistic missile test ban. Joining us now with more details is our correspondent Brian Bastable.
4: On this night in the year of the earthquake and hurricane, of discontent and discord, of ruin and mayhem, my eyes beheld, my ears attested the wonder of the century, a fireball in the sky. No mere mortal could miss its passing. And indeed, from the darkest corners of the earth, they emerged, like ants in search of a corpse, to gape and awe at the spectacle. Here came the generals armed to the teeth, there the politicians, united as the common cold. For three long hours they stood transfixed until the object fell back to earth, a celestial body whose name escapes me. It could have been a star, a moon, or perhaps a shuttle. But whatever its origin, its descent marked the turning point of human history, the climax to a decade of mayhem. And from that day forward, the world changed, my friends. The chains that had once bound us to the soil were now cast aside. A new era was upon us, a golden age of peace and plenty, where brother fought not against brother and nations united under the banner of goodwill. My friends, it is now that I must bid you adieu. The camera crew awaits me with orders to capture the chaos of the battlefield. But before I depart, let me say this. Tonight was a night that will never be forgotten, a night that will be etched forever in the annals of history. In a world of shadows and uncertainty, it was a beam of light, a moment of hope, for as we stood there together in the shadow of the moon, we knew that a new day had dawned. Brian Bastable, Newsbang. Day two,
1: 1988. In
0: 1988, a terrible train crash near Clapham Junction Railway Station left 35 people dead and hurt almost 500 others. The incident happened when a packed train collided with another stopped at a red signal, then sideswiped an empty one. As a major transportation hub. Clapham Junction serves the busy London area. Ken Schitt brings us this report.
5: Good evening, degenerates. As we hurtle towards the year 2023, let's take a trip back to the dark days of 1988, a time when big hair was all the rage, neon colours lit up the night, and a horrific train crash in London shook the very foundations of our existence. Three bloody trains collided near Clapham Junction Railway Station like a goddamn pileup of metal and misery. 35 innocent souls were snuffed out in an instant, while 484 others were left to pick up the pieces of their shattered lives. It was a scene straight out of hell, bodies twisted and mangled beyond recognition, blood splattered across the tracks like some macabre Jackson Pollock painting. The screams of terror and pain echoed through the station as people struggled to come to terms with what they had just witnessed. The cause. A crowded passenger train plowed into the rear of another that had stopped at a signal like a blind man walking into a brick wall. And that wasn't even the worst part. The wreckage spilled over onto an empty train like some grotesque domino effect, leaving a trail of carnage in its wake. Clapham Junction Railway Station, located in Battersea, not Clapham, should have been a place of safety and sanctuary for those commuting home after a long day's work. But instead, it became a graveyard for 35 people whose lives were cruelly cut short by this senseless tragedy. This is Ken Shit reminding you that no matter how advanced our technology becomes, human error will always be our undoing. May we never forget those who lost their lives on that fateful day in 1988.
1: 1969 In the year
0: 1969, significant political changes took place across the globe. Greece's troublesome dictatorship, known as the Greek Junta, ruled from 1967 to 1974. They exited the Council of Europe after being found guilty of horrendous human rights violations and inhumane acts like torture. The European Commission of Human Rights unveiled their grave findings, sparking an intense international reaction that will continue to reverberate throughout history. Now we bring you more details from our reporter Hardiman Pesto.
6: Hello Martin. Tonight we take a trip down memory lane to 1969 when the Greek military Junta withdrew from the Council of Europe following a ruling against them for torture and human rights violations. This was a significant event in European history as it marked The first time a member state was
0: found guilty of such abuses. I remember it well, Pesto. It was a time of great uncertainty in Greece, with protests and demonstrations taking place across the country. Yes, Martin.
6: The Junta had been in power for just two years and the European Commission of Human Rights found serious violations, including torture. And yet the Junta decided to withdraw from the Council of Europe rather than face further scrutiny, Yes, it was seen as a
0: defiant move, but it also highlighted the depth of the problem. It's interesting to note that, despite the junta's withdrawal, Greece eventually rejoined the Council of Europe in 1974.
6: Yes, after the fall of the junta and the restoration of democracy. It was a significant moment in Greek history. But let's not forget the brutality of the junta and the impact it had on the Greek people. No, we shouldn't. But it's also an opportunity to reflect on how far we've come in terms of human rights and the importance of holding those in
0: power accountable. Indeed, Pesto. Let's take a moment to remember those who suffered under the junta and the brave activists who fought for justice.
1: 2000.
0: In a historic decision from the year 2000, the U.S. Supreme Court's Bush v. Gore saw George W. Bush declared the winner in a highly contentious presidential election. The case revolved around a recount dispute in Florida that had seen the Florida Supreme Court order a statewide recount only to be halted by the U.S. Supreme Court, which found in favor of Bush. This led to his Electoral College majority and eventual presidency from 2001 to 2009. Joining us now for further discussion on this landmark ruling is reporter Melody Wintergreen.
7: The air in the nation's capital holds an electric tension, it's just past 2 in the morning on this hallowed day of 12th December 2003. George Walker Bush, the 43rd president of the United States, has resigned from office earlier this evening, handing over the reins of power to his deputy, who shall remain nameless. This is a nation in mourning, a nation that will only forget because it must. From the White House, to the Senate, to the House of Representatives, to every bar and brothel across America, there is a collective sigh of relief that this tumultuous term of office has finally come to an end. The public address system crackles into life just as I finish speaking those words. Ladies and gentlemen, booms the voice of the outgoing president. I am proud to announce that on this 12th day of December, 2003, I have fulfilled all my constitutional duties and I am stepping down from office. It has been an honor and a privilege to serve this great nation. There is a thunderous round of applause that echoes through the empty halls of power. It's a fitting tribute to a man who has left behind a legacy that will be debated for generations to come. And so ends this chapter in the history of the United States of America. As I step out of the shadows of this monument to democracy, I can feel the weight of the world begin to lift from my shoulders. The future may be uncertain, but one thing is for sure. This nation will rise again. Melody Wintergreen reporting from the steps of the United States Capitol on this historic night.
1: News Bang. Challenging the fake news industry with the power of factuality.
0: Now we're going to hear some racing excitement, as Ryder Boff takes us through the action at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Remember this is a huge moment in motorsport history. Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton competed fiercely right up until the final lap, ultimately leaving Hamilton heartbroken over his loss of the championship. Tune in to their thrilling segment following this break.
8: Oh, greetings, chums. Welcome to another season of racing mayhem, this time all the way from the year 2021. The top news of the day is the thrilling, nail-biting final lap of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, the dashing, daring racer for Red Bull, managed to overtake Lewis Hamilton, the mighty Mercedes driver and seven-time world champion, to seal the championship. It was a race for the ages chaps with Hamilton's hopes dashed in the final moments of the final lap. But don't you worry, there were plenty of collisions, breakdowns and fisticuffs behind the scenes to keep us entertained. Let's just say the tension between these two races was as thick as a baked beans on toast. Oh, speaking of beans, I heard Hamilton accidentally drove through a field of them during practice. But enough about vegetables. Back to the track and the drama. We've also got to give a shout-out to our personal favourite, Esteban, the Flying Fajita Ocon of Renault. His nickname may sound silly, but the man's driving skills are nothing to sniff at. He had a stunning performance this season and is definitely one to watch in the future. Now let's all settle into our favourite seats, pour ourselves a nice, hot cup of cocoa, and enjoy the excitement and mayhem of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. See you at the finish line, chums!
1: News Bang! A whole load of nonsense, sorted by tons of common sense.
0: Now Sandy O'Shaughnessy takes us on a journey through the annals of regal history. This time he dives into Greek history and shares the story of Maria of Engian. Maria's unique story highlights her cunning negotiation that led to a profitable transaction. With that, we transition seamlessly to the next segment.
7: Nice and easy
9: Ah, a very good evening to you all. Welcome to the Royal Roost, where we dive headfirst into the deep blue sea of regal history. I'm your lovable guide and all-around jester, Sandy O'Shaughnessy. How's everyone doing tonight? Good? Fantastic? Well, that's simply splendid. Ah. (laughs) Now let me take you back in time to 1388. (laughs) Yes, indeed. We journey to a land rich in olives and sunshine, Greece. The lady in question is none other than Maria of Enghien, who held the lordship of Argos and Nauplia after inheriting it from her father. Now, hold on to your hats, folks, because this one's got some spice. Maria was married to a Venetian patrician, and when he kicked the bucket, she did what any level-headed widow would do. She sold her lordship to Venice for a regular income. Ah, uh, those were the days when ladies could still pull off such feats of negotiation without anyone saying, you go, girl. Ah. <laughs> Can you imagine walking into a meeting with Martin Bang and telling him you want more money because… well… just because? Ah, but I digress. Maria wasn't one for small talk or drama. She wanted results and got them. Nowadays we call women like her boss babes or something along those lines. (laughs) Ah. And speaking of boss babes, let's not forget that Venice was no slouch either. This maritime republic existed for over 900 years and had an empire that stretched across three continents. They grew into a trading power during the Middle Ages and Renaissance. Quite an achievement, if I say so myself. In fact, they were so good at trading that their name became synonymous with anything fancy or luxurious. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Another tale from our royal archives that proves love can conquer all, even death, especially when there's money involved. And as we say here at Newsbank Towers, when life gives you lemons, sell your fiefdom. Ah. <laughs> but enough about ancient Greeks and Italian merchants. Remember, kids, history is full of fascinating tales just waiting to be discovered by curious minds like yours. Oh, wait, that would be me. My apologies once again for stealing your thunder. So until next time, folks, keep those letters coming. Yes, Maureen from Tipperary, even if your pet Tapir is starting to crow. Keep those minds curious and above all else, keep smiling. Because as the old Irish saying goes, life is but a tapestry of stories with an occasional loose mouth thrown in for good measure. Thanks, Jim from Cork. Till we meet again in tales and tunes. Stay wonderful, my friends.
1: Bang, the glass slipper of truth crushing the tainted foot of falsehood. And now,
0: tomorrow's headlines. The Times, Beyonce's surprise attack on charts with visual feminist manifesto. The Guardian, civil war carnage, Burnside's butchery in the spotlight. The Sun, union massacre in southern slavery showdown. The Telegraph, Croat tank calamity as Serbs whirlwind to victory. And finally... The Norwich Evening Martyr. Confederate crayfish confounded by cunning Union Eel strategy. That's it for Newsbang. Join us tomorrow when we ask what exactly is going on. Good night.
1: Tune in next time for more artificially intelligent hilarity. Newsbang is a comedy show written and recorded by AI. All voices impersonated. Nothing here is real. Good night.